0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: What's happening, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Jeff Sharon with you here Alongside Eric Lopez, as usual, Eric, what's going on, brother?
0: It's going. It's a busy week. We got softball starting, so I'm doing my prep work and uh, basketball. Uh, big, big, big basketball week as well. So lots going on.
1: Busy, um, busy week for all sports here. We got a lot to talk about. We got men's basketball. We got women's basketball. <clears throat> Our big uh, interview this week. We're talking with head coach Renee lures Gillespie of UCF softball. They're starting their season. Uh, on uh, Friday, uh, Friday afternoon. Five games in a tournament this weekend. We'll both be there to start things off. Of course, baseball's getting underway not too long after that. We've got tennis, we've got golf, we've got a little bit of everything this week. So make sure you follow us at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. You can hit us up on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret and and also, subscribe to our podcast, if you don't already, on iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, and tune in. Leave us a rating on iTunes as well. Tell us how we're doing, and don't be afraid to reach out to us for any questions. All right. Um, let's talk basketball. And of course, women's basketball got off to a very good uh, start tonight. We'll talk about that in a little bit as they had a blowout win over Houston. It was a big basketball night for UCF. The men's team, however, um, they were on the road facing a ranked Cincinnati team. It's 11th in the country. Very good team coming in, undefeated in the American and you UC- and Cincinnati just kept us at arm's length uh, throughout the game. Final tally was sixty to fifty up at Fifth Third Arena uh, in the Queen City. UCF never got any closer than five points in the second half, and then it just seemed like you know Cincinnati just stuck their arm out and stiff armed us the rest of the way um, for UCF. Leading scores fourteen points each for b j Taylor and taco fall, taco with another great game, double double fourteen and eleven, seven for seven from the field uh, and a pair of blocks b j uh, five of thirteen from the field did not hit a three uh fourteen points, five rebounds, and only one assist a j Davis had four assists to lead u c f but uh it was uh, Cincinnati in back of Kyle Washington who was uh, who had a nice game, six of thirteen from the field, fourteen points. Uh, Troy Copain did not have a very good game. That's how UCF really stayed in it. They held him to 2 of 12 from the field and 1 of 7 from uh, three-point distance. He only scored five points, but uh, Washington picked up the slack in 33 minutes, had a double-double on the, with the 14 and 11 to match Taco Fall. And like I said, it was you know, this was this this felt like one of those games where, you know, these two teams play on this floor ten times. You know, Cincinnati's going to win nine of those times, but... This was one of those nights when it felt like the way they were playing, we could have gotten them that 10% time, right? And the shots just weren't falling for UCF when they needed to. Um, and the Knights finished 39% from the field, 19 of 48. Um, shot well from the line, but did not shoot well from three-point distance, only three out of 15. And the Bearcats now 11th in the country, like we said, 21-2, 10-0 in the league. Joe Leonardo has them projected as a four seed, um, and SMU, which is ranked twenty fifth at twenty and four ten and one, he has them as a seven seed right now. But um, Cincinnati right now is the class of the league, Eric, and uh, they showed it tonight.
0: Yeah, they are until uh, this weekend. Now they got to go to SMU this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see how oh, they that's match up. Be a great but, game, uh, oh. yeah. But I mean. I thought the start of halves were the difference in this game since he jumped on him right at the get go from the beginning of the game. UCF didn't score, I think nearly until almost four minutes into the game. Uh, and then UCF fought back to kind of get it close there at the half. And then Cincinnati opened with a run early in the second half. Johnny Dawkins had to spend a multiple timeouts. And, uh, like you said, they kind of kept them at arms, uh, arms length from that point on. So, um, just Cincinnati's really good. That's a tough team to play. you got to certainly be at your best. Very interesting. A.J. Davis doesn't start. Comes off the bench tonight uh, in this game against Cincinnati. Uh, so, you know, start tweaking some things there. But, uh, you know, it was a good effort. Taco played very well. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of. They just, yeah. I mean, they lost to the best team in the league by, you know, so that, a lot of teams are doing that. Yeah,
1: you know, that's why Cincinnati's the best team in the league is because you know they did not play well and found a way to win anyway consider that you know i mentioned that we shot uh 39 point you know just under 40% from the field cincinnati was 35% 23 of 65 and uh 9 of 29 from three point range that really turned out to be the difference was that you know plus 6 points on the th- in the in the three uh, in the three point category 29 attempts from beyond the arc which is a lot for them uh, they also we uh, ucf also out rebounded them 36 to 34, although Cincinnati had the advantage in offensive rebounds at 13 to seven, and assists Cincinnati out-assisted UCF 19 to eight, which you know shows me that they were willing to create shots for um, for their teammates. You know, it wasn't all about um, you know what their usual you know the usual suspects. You know, you, you mentioned Troy Copain, um, who you know who did like I said did not have a very good game uh, shooting the ball, but he did. Um, Lead or was tied for the team lead for Cincinnati in assists with six. Jacob Evans had, had, an, had six assists as well. Jaron Cumberland had four. So when I see those assist numbers up and the shooting's not going well, that tells me that you know, obviously they were getting offensive rebounds and they were trying to find open looks for whoever could actually make something. And, uh, and, and if you're Johnny Dawkins' team, that's, that's a team that you look, at, you look at this film and you're like, that's where we want to get to. Because right now, you know, if UCF doesn't play a good game, they're going to lose that game. Cincinnati did not play well, and they won,
0: yeah, I mean, they got to get off to good starts. I mean, I go back to uh Saturday when u c f knocked off Memphis, jumped out to a thirteen nothing lead and and played from ahead and played with confidence and when you don't have a lot of depth, you really don't want to dig yourself a hole, and that's what they had to do all night. It seemed like they were trying to fight uh from a big hole, but uh, they you know, they competed, and uh, it's good effort now they got to turn their attention to a UConn team that's I think it's got to, you know, starting to make some grounds here. They've had a ton of injuries, but as we saw when they first played earlier in the year in UConn, UConn still has got some abilities here, some fight, and this will be a battle Saturday with uh, UConn coming to town. So uh, I think Coach Dawkins got to be also disappointed. Didn't really turn since, uh, you know, the turnovers in the second half. They protected the ball, I thought, in the first half. I think they only had six turnovers in the first half. That kind of uh, jumped up a little bit more in the second half. Also, that didn't help them in their cause in
1: the comeback in the second half. Yeah, I'm looking at um, the standings right now. UCF at six and six in the league, which is actually in sixth place, uh, 15 and nine overall. And some of the other action that went by. The way, UConn, by the way, beat USF um, in uh, in Connecticut by forty. Was it forty six points tonight? Is that right?
0: It's up to like that. Oh, I'm sure God, they, they, they well, we know who the worst team in the league is.
1: So, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, that's boy. It's just, it's just all coming apart for,
0: for, for, well, it's been coming apart for a while and, uh, I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon, but you know,
1: you know, from our perspective here, looking at UCF, you know, you know, still sixth place in the conference, you're still in the hunt, you know, you're still obviously there to get into the conference tournament. Um, Fifteen and nine, six and six. Though and it's it's kind of like ah, you know, you had that you, you had that good start, then the four straight losses. The win over Memphis was big, really big on Saturday. I thought the way they bounced back and they beat the Tigers by fifteen points. And you know, we're not giving enough um, you know a- enough props to Johnny Dawkins' team for that win. But you know, just quickly to recap, um, Knights did jump out all over Memphis in the first half, up by seventeen at the break. Um, And, uh, you know, as, you know, Dedrick Lawson was 6 of 20 for Memphis for uh, 10 points. But uh, the star for, uh, or or excuse me, for uh, 28 points for Memphis, excuse me, to go with 10 rebounds. But he was pretty much it for the Tigers because they shot 27% in the first half. And UCF, meanwhile, uh, shot up over 50% uh, for the entire game. uh, And led by uh, Matt Williams, who had a very good game against the Tigers at 20 points. 5 of 8 from 3-point range. All of his attempts were from 3-point range. And uh, BJ, of course, was 16 and 7 and 2 assists. But, um, you know, it, it would have been nice to sort of piggyback that game, that home game against Memphis with a win, you know, against Cincinnati. But, you know, that's, that's a tough ask going up there and, and playing that team right now. They're having a hell of a season in Cincinnati. They deserve a lot of credit. So, uh, like you said, we're look at, looking at the schedule right now, Eric. Here's how it shakes out. you got two home games coming up, two big home games. UConn. Right now, on Saturday, February the 11th, which uh, UConn is right behind us in the standings. at six and five, 11 and 12 overall. Got off to a slow start. They're starting to they're starting to pick it back up. Then Tulsa comes to town on Valentine's Day on Valentine's Night, Tuesday uh, Tuesday, February 14th, 7 p.m. Uh, Tulsa right now is just above us in the standings. Uh, at, six, at, at or right now at six and five, 12 and 11 overall. So. This is the this is the key stretch in th- this key homestand. This is the biggest homestand of the year, I would say. you got these two teams right around you in the standings. If you can beat them both, and I think you got to beat them both, if you can beat them both, you're going to be in very good shape uh, coming through. You know, you at least get, in, get yourself into the top five. Maybe you catch a little bit of momentum, and you can sneak into the top four in the conference standings.
0: Well, and then you're kind of through that rough stretch of the schedule. I mean, this has been a rough stretch. It really for has. You know, Look at all the road games they've had to do, all the travel. Remember, this team is still flying commercial.
1: And uh, so... This was the fourth that, game of the... The Cincinnati game is the fourth game in their last six on the road.
0: Yeah. So, you know, they got to take care of... You're right. They got to see what they got to do here at home. And uh, so we'll see how happens with that, but... Uh, starts with UConn. That's not going to be easy because UConn matches up well with UCF because they have the size and physicality still, even with all the injuries, that gives Taco some issues uh, internally. That's what we saw in the first matchup. So, yeah. you know, we'll see how they kind of react to that. And, uh, but look, I mean, they got three, what, three home games left the whole year? Uh, yeah, you know, three, with UConn,
1: UConn uh, Tulsa, and then the last one is against Cincinnati, Cincinnati. February 26th, yeah. But you're right;
0: these two games will be pivotal because it could be the difference between fourth and fifth place, and maybe seventh place. So, uh, we'll see how they respond to that. And I think the guys will be happy to be home and uh, for a little stretch and go from there. And you try to finish strong going into the conference tournament. I think that's the goal with this team. I still think if they could finish strong this year, they have a shot to make a postseason, whether it be an NIT or a
1: Are Are we seeing really the attrition? From you know the lack of depth really hit right now because even though they're not missing anyone per se due to injury, you know they, 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 you know so it looked like we just didn't have enough gas in the tank.
0: Sure, I mean that's a, that's part of it. We've said that all year long. So uh, you know they're up against it, and especially when you're facing some of the top teams like Cincinnati. I mean, this is maybe. Mick Cronin's best Cincinnati team, and this is probably the best Cincinnati team, by the way. So it's the Bob Huggins
1: Cincinnati team. So yeah, might be uh, right. Kenyon Martin and uh, James yeah, Patterson and some of those guys.
0: The thing about this Cincinnati team, and they mentioned it on the telecast, is that they not only can they defend, but they can score. That's kind of been the issue with Cincinnati in the, in the last few years is they've been more of a defensive team, not really a great offensive team. Well, that's different. And you've mentioned it. They're not dependent on one or two guys. They have a lot of different ways they could score. And so, uh, you know, you're right. That's where the conference you get exposed. I've always believed in college basketball, especially, uh, you get exposed more in the conference and, uh, and, and all your weaknesses and, uh, issues kind of get uh, hit a little bit. And yeah, the lack of depth is certainly a, Taking its toll a little bit here for UCF.
1: Cronin, by the way, at Cincinnati has won 20 games every year since 2010, 2011. That year, he went 26 and 9. They were 27 and 7 in, in 2013, 2014. Um, Huggins, uh, Huggy Bear, as we like to call him, uh, he had that 31 and 4 year in 01, 02, um, but they got knocked out in the second round. That was his best season. Um, at that was his best season at, at when they were in the when they were in conference USA Cincinnati. So, um, although he had a lot of twenty sixes and twenty sevens, he had a twenty nine and four in two thousand. He had a twenty eight and five, twenty seven and five, twenty nine and five back in nineteen ninety one when they were in the Great Midwest. Um, yeah, and that was the year they actually they made the Final Four too. Uh, it was it was in ninety two. So, but. Um, Credit to Cincinnati. Credit to Mick Cronin, who has um, just done an outstanding job. His first year there, by the way, they were 11-19 overall and 2-14 and in the Big East, finishing 16th place. And he's got them back to where they, can, where, they, where they feel that they rightly are. So this was a good gut-check game for UCF and Johnny Dawkins because you know, Cincinnati right now is where UCF, I think, wants to be eventually. It's going to take a little while for them to get there. Hopefully it won't take too much longer, but I think they learned real quick, you know, how this, yeah, how, the, how a great team plays and they don't play well. They still find a way to win and they defend the home court. So, uh, and then again, like we said, we're going to be, you know, we have this little, little mini home stretch. These last two home games are absolutely positively critical for UCF uh, men's basketball. All right. Switching gears over to women's basketball. They, Boy, did they dispose of Houston tonight, by the way? We're recording this again Wednesday night. Final score eighty-five fifty-nine. UCF just wipes out the Cougars. Uh leading the way for uh UCF uh on the individual stat sheet. Um uh, by the way, Ashley Polichek again got the st- uh got the start for UCF. Um but leading the way for um the Knights. Boy, they got some two huge performances tonight. Zai Lewis with 29 points on 11 of 22 from the field. And then Aaliyah Gregory, 28 points on, on 11 of 17. Uh, Zai, by the way, was 6 of 14 from the three-point arc. So you got those two players combining for 57 points uh, f- of the Knights' 85, which is actually, you know you know, obviously that's a high percentage, but... You know, not too bad overall you know considering you know fifi and had nine uh, uh, KK Wright had uh, eight points as well to go with two assists um, rebounding wise Aliyah Gregory also pulled down seven uh seven boards eight assists for Ashley politech who got the start uh, at the point uh today but uh wow what a performance by those two Gregory and Lewis who have um you know in this lineup you know, with Ashley Policek I think, running the point, Eric, which I think is the key. She played 22 minutes, Wright played 18. Um, but she kind of gets things started. And when you do, if you can get those two players started, Gregory and Lewis, um, things can get out of hand if, in a hurry if you're the opposing team. The Knights uh, shot 33 of 61 from the field and held Houston to just 19 of 45. So consider the, the, the double threat on offense with Zai, And Leah, and then the and then on defense, you hold your opponent to sixteen fewer shot attempts than you got. That's an impressive performance.
0: Well, there's a few things I believe. That's the most points UCF has scored all year. Number one. Yep. And number two, how many? And Gregory, how many points she had again?
1: Gregory had. I just pulled out of it. Okay, here it is. Uh, Gregory had twenty-eight season high yeah, uh, for Gregory
0: uh, her previous was 25 uh, against Tulsa and you know look we've just discussed this with Lewis and Gregory they account for almost over 40% of this offensive scoring so the fact that they both were on tells you how lethal they can be and then that's the thing and that's Everything was clicking for them offensively. And that's a big bounce back because I know that there was a bit of a disappointment on Saturday at SMU. They struggled offensively. They got off to a quick start in that first quarter and then they couldn't buy a basket the rest of that half. And um, they fought back, but then lost by five. So, um, you know, that, that's been their issues at times, putting the ball in the basket, but certainly Lewis and Gregory had it going to, uh, on Wednesday night and uh, when they do that, that that makes UCF a completely different team because they've been able to defend well for the most part this year. Uh, as far as Polacek starting, look, uh, Coach Abe, one thing she uh, I've noticed she she will go based on I mean matchups. Um, she will change lineups at a at a moment's notice. I don't. I think she looks at every game differently, and I think she says, okay, who gives us our best shot to win and go based on matchups? You know, you always see that a lot in baseball about, well, I'm going to put in this lefty hitter against the righty, or I'm going to put a righty hitter against the lefty. Maybe I'm going to sit a lineup a certain way against the pitcher. You know, in football, maybe you go a certain stuff. I think I think, I think, think Coach Abe's doing that a little bit with basketball in that, okay, who gives me the best shot here to get off to a good start from a starting five standpoint against a specific opponent? And, you know, Palachuk gets to start, and, and uh, boy, it clicked today. But I don't know if that guarantees she'll start the next game. But uh, very positive to bounce back and get home because now they got to go on the road and take on Tulsa on the digital network on Saturday. That will not be an easy trip against the Tulsa team that I actually saw them play in person, and uh, you saw them. Uh, they hit threes against UCF. Yeah. Uh, hit them and, and hit them a lot, you know. When they played earlier this year, so you know that's going to be the challenge there. They lost seventy three sixty two to Tulsa back on January twenty first. So can they maintain and and the Tulsa three point shooting, which was surprising because Tulsa was not really a great three point shooting team coming into that game, but uh, they were that day. So that'll be the challenge for UCF. I know Coach Abe was not happy with their intensity leading into that game. So it'll be interesting how they react after losing the first time against Tulsa.
1: Not to mention the fact that right after that uh, right after that Tulsa game, they got to face uh, USF on Valentine's Day, too, on Tuesday. And um, you know, we mentioned last week, I saw that team up close and personal um, doing work with the American Digital Network in the Sundome. Uh, it's the only time UCF and USF are playing in women's basketball this year. The schedule worked out that way, but... Boy, speaking of teams that can shoot, oh man, USF can shoot, and uh, it, and they are going to be a serious problem because it's like playing the Golden State Warriors the way that they the way that Coach Fernandez run runs his runs his scheme. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see if Coach Abe's sort of strategy that she employed against UConn, where she basically slowed the game down intentionally i'm going to be interested to see if that works. Cincinnati was the team that I saw that play against and and Cincinnati tried to run with them, and that just wasn 't going to work so uh, i 'm interested to see how that um, will play out um, going forward right now u c f if you look at the conference standings pretty far down right now three and six in the league that 's ninth, but there 's a big crowd around four and six five and five six, and four um you know, consider obviously UConn's eleven and 0, 23. They won ninety-eight games in a row, which is unbelievable. Uh, Temple at eight and two, USF at seven and two in third. Both of those teams at eighteen wins overall. Uh, the Knights have thirteen wins overall. They're thirteen and nine. So um, to put that into comparison, SMU's three spots ahead of them uh, in the conference standings because they're a half game ahead of them in the ahead of the Knights in the win column at four and six, but they also have thirteen wins. Cincinnati ahead of them at five and five in the American fourteen wins. So when you put the context together, um, UCF has kind of just fallen on some bad luck in the uh, in the in the uh, American Athletic Conference play, and and it's not going to get any easier. Obviously, you know they got off to sort of that slow start, hovering around the UConn game. Remember they lost to Cincinnati and then Memphis, Uh, and then you mentioned the loss to uh, mentioned that they lost those two in a row prior to these prior to this Houston game, but, um, chance for them to actually step things up here in the last, uh, as they head down the stretch here in sort of this last half of the conference schedule, they got some, uh, teams right around them in the standings coming up. I mean, East Carolina is not having a very good year. They're one and nine in the conference. We got them at home, uh, Tulane, uh, they have to travel to new Orleans for that game. Tulane is at six and four in the league, fourth, over, uh, fourth in the American. And then they got SMU and, uh, temple after that. So, um, Chance down the stretch to maybe make a little bit of noise, uh, you can get into the conference tournament that way. Um, but they're going to have to hustle, I think, to keep things up. And but I'm really impressed with, like you said, how Aaliyah Gregory has uh, stepped it up uh, in particular. And Coach Abe talked about that. You know, remember um, a couple weeks ago? You know, we we had that soundbite from her about how good Aaliyah has been and how good she thought she would be. Uh, and that certainly has uh, has shown itself, especially in this game, as she has. You know, it's good to see how she and Aaliyah have picked up the scoring, and you kind of have that chance that, and Aaliyah has that um, mid-range game that I think is so deadly. She reminds me so much of Reggie Miller sometimes in that, or excuse me, not Reggie Miller, Richie Richard Hamilton, um, in that respect. You know, so, and, and we saw that in that in that Tulsa game on full display. So, um, again, tough stretch coming up for uh, UCF uh, women's basketball, but. Uh, Let's see if they can get through it and finish up strong here uh, in Coach Abe's first season. All right. So as we finish up here uh, in in this segment, stick around because coming up next, we have a a very special interview. We're going to preview UCF softball uh, with head head coach Renee Lures-Gillespie entering her 16th season. Plus, we have a look at UCF golf for the first time and tennis Quick update on women's tennis as well. Stick around the black and gold back Bannerette podcast is back after this. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew figley This is Trey Strelka with the UCF Nightline Podcast, the original, the number one rated
0: UCF sports podcast.
1: You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, it's UCF underscore Nightline and at www.ucfnightlinepodcast.com.
0: Be sure to subscribe to us as well on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And when you get sick of listening to these guys, make sure you look us up. Don't forget, that's the UCF Nightline Podcast. Go Knights! Charge on. Now, back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
1: And welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Let's switch gears over to softball. We've got, you know, our spring sports are firing up, Eric Lopez. And, uh, of course, if it's softball season, that means it is Eric Lopez's favorite time of year, isn't it?
0: It is, and it means the busiest time of year. But it's a fun time of year, absolutely. Uh, game week, can't believe it, ready to roll. It seems like uh, offseason blew by fast, but uh, a lot of new faces this year. A lot of new faces to uh, get to be uh, be introduced to night fans. And I think that's kind of the intriguing part about this year. There's a little bit more unknown than maybe there has been in the last couple of years with the team.
1: Well, we, we've been spoiled the last really four seasons with Shelby Turnier and, uh, and Mackenzie Otis before her and the Uvari sisters as well. Now the, all of them are gone now, they, you know, so, is, uh, it, there is a tough schedule. The season, by the way, starts Friday, February 10th with two games uh, in the home tournament uh, against FAMU at 3.30. That's the season opener against Florida and m Friday, February 10th at 3.30 at the UCF Softball Complex. The newly um, updated UCF Softball Complex, by the way. They, we, That's right, baby. Uh, they have the seat backs now and a couple upgrades elsewhere in the park. And then also they play Pitt. Uh, in this tournament on Friday at six p.m. So, as you're heading home from work after Friday, stop by the park. Root on the Knights as they take on Pitt. Uh, also Kentucky is in this tournament. The Knights play them at three thirty on Saturday too. So, uh, and then they have uh, one more against FAMU on Saturday, and then they play Pitt again eleven thirty a.m. on Sunday. So, uh, a lot going on for the Knights uh, on the softball diamond and. You know, like you said, I mean, there are some key returners, obviously, coming back. But, man, have we been spoiled the last four years or what?
0: Well, it's been a great run. It's been the best run of the softball program to this point. With uh, You look at it going back to really 2012, if you will. Uh, this program's been to the NCAA tournament for the last five years, been to the regional finals three straight years. A lot of wins, top 25s to a couple of conference regular season championships, conference tournament championships. So uh, a great era. But, you know, a lot of them are gone. Uh, you mentioned Otis and Shelby, who is now coaching at UNF. You mentioned the Yavari sister, Samantha McClowski, who hit the home run to win the championship in yeah, the 2015 right. title game against Tulsa. She graduated. So a lot of young faces, especially – pitching that'll be obviously the question I mean let's be honest I think UCF softball is really a, the identity if you will uh, has been pitching so that is who's the next one how do you kind of fill the gap there you know offensively you know they do return a lot of young players Brittany Solis the senior at shortstop returns Ladea Goodman a senior left field returns Willow Callen, in the right fielder returns uh, you've got Courtney Roten the third baseman who started the last uh, couple years there last year I should say uh, she returns. Uh, you got Cassidy Brewer who was the American Conference Freshman of the Year. She returns. So offensively and skill wise, they've got a lot of returners. They're just very young, um, you know, behind the plate. Autumn Gillespie, Jeff, wait till you see her. Uh, she played a little bit of last year before she got hurt. Missed a, most of the second half of the year. The best arm I've ever seen a catcher have at UCF. Really? Uh, she is a weapon behind the plate. And so it'll be great to have her back fully healthy, uh, on this team. So, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement from a skill position standpoint, Corey Hill, new assistant in, uh, from Texas, a great hitting coach, I think will do wonders for the, the young girls. So the question's going to be pitching. Obviously there's one returning pitcher, Manemi Kalexto is a senior. She transferred last year from Miami Dade pitched last year was the number three uh, times number two, um, an off-speed pitcher, and then you've got three freshman pitchers on staff, and that's going to be interesting with a young staff, how quickly do they learn this high level, and uh, you know that's going to be, they're going to be tested early, you mentioned that schedule, and the w- opening weekend, Kentucky's a top 25 team in the country, so uh, they are a perennial top 25 program, Pittsburgh made the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, just missed uh, last year, so not they're going to get off to a tough schedule. Then they go out to California for the Mary Nutter tournament. And then they go to Alabama. So uh, they'll learn quick. Um, it'll be interesting how uh, they kind of learn the grasp, if you will, and who steps up from a pitching standpoint. Uh, but I can tell you being around them a little bit, uh, they're, it's a very close team. And uh, I think they're excited to, uh, I think for this year, and I think they're excited to prove a, a point. Sometimes with uh, with young players, they they're hungry. And they want to, you know, they know they got to make a name for themselves. And uh, certainly, I think we have a lot of that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, come
1: out this year. Well, head coach Renee lourdes Gillespie has seen it all, and she's heading into now her sixteenth season. Is that right, Eric? Sixteen seasons. Sixteen seasons since
0: she started the program in two thousand and two. Uh, this is my eleventh season. So I've seen most of it, but right. not all of it like she has. And, Between you uh, oh. and
1: I, we've seen pretty much every, pretty much yeah. all of UCF softball. Between you know when I was a student, we actually started doing play-by-play on a tape delay basis back when we were freshmen, and. Uh, and you've done, of course, you know, so many softball games over the year. You're approaching 400, my friend.
0: I've done, yeah. I did the numbers the other week. It was uh, 393 games I've done, 303 at the Complex, 393 overall. Uh, so it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy. I started off in 07 as a student and Yeah, I never thought I would be here still today doing it. It just kind of happened. It's one of those uh, fluky things. But uh, I've seen a lot of great games, a lot of great players, and always interesting storylines. And, you know, for Coach, uh, nothing new. I mean, it's a lot of young players, but she's gone through this before. It reminds me a lot, Jeff, of 2012, when there was a lot of new uh, freshmen. Uh, Mackenzie Otis was the freshman. Kaylee Novak was a freshman. Maddie Schroeder was a freshman. Ferris Sullivan was a freshman. Uh, So that was a new team and and McKenzie Otis had the big year freshman uh, a monster year one pitcher of the year and they made the tournament so it's not the first time this program has had to kind of kind of get some new faces in there to step up that's been part of the tradition and I don't think it'll be any different this year I know they're excited about the talent potential I don't think the talent is the question from a standpoint it's just the experience and how quick quickly they grasp
1: uh you know the competition and and improve all right so let's so we were lucky enough on uh, this past monday to, uh, to take a look at, uh, to head over to UCF Softball and meet up with Coach Gillespie. And we went around, t- took a look at some of the new things that were going on at the park, and it's always good to spend time with Coach, you know, especially before the season starts, and she gave us a little bit of preview on her end of what she's expecting from her team this year. So without further ado, here is our interview with UCF Softball Head Coach Renee Lures-Gillespie. And joining us now in her sixteenth season as the only softball coach that UCF has ever had has ever had, which is my favorite way of saying it she 's been a good friend of myself and Eric for forever, going back to when we were freshmen here and um, championships all over the place, banners a gazillion wins um, Renee Lourdes-Gillespie joining us to talk UCF softball in, uh, in what I'm sure Jim Nance would call a tradition unlike any other. How are you coach?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks Jeff. Thanks Eric.
1: Well we have um, so this year the Ivari twins are gone uh, Shelby's gone. A lot of new faces this year so yes. um, alright so, so I'm going to ask you the really the really reportery question is this a rebuilding year or a reloading year?
2: I, I believe it's reloading because we have such a great group of young freshmen this year. Um, you know, we lost 10 seniors last year, but um, reloaded with some fantastic freshmen, and our upperclassmen are strong with, with Brittany Solis and Lenny coming back, and Ma came in as a transfer, and they're just going to be really strong as, as, a, as a senior class. You know, Willow has been with us for, for two years or three years as a transfer, and um, you just see these girls kind of stepping up and being really good leaders for us.
0: You seeing the team around in UCF events all fall. It seems a very tight group too, right? you get a sense too there's a good bond with this this team because of the leadership of Brent Laneau?
2: Yeah, you definitely see that. Um this is probably the tightest group we've had in 16 years. Um they they really are fighting for each other. You know, I wouldn't say we have one standout all-American out there yet. Um, I think we're still very young for that, but I think that the group that we have are, is very strong together, and I think that's going to win a lot of games for us this year.
0: Plus, there's a sense I feel of hungriness. Because they're such a young team, there's a lot of players got to prove themselves. Whereas, you know, the last couple years, you had players that have already accomplished a lot, so there's not that urgency that maybe you have with this group.
2: Uh, yeah, I think if you look across the, the board for infield, I mean, there's, there's really not one position that's locked out right now. Um, you know, besides Autumn that's coming back as a redshirt freshman last year behind the plate, um, it's really a battle in every every single spot. And we have so many different options to be able to move them in and out of different positions because it's a very versatile group of kids that we have this year. Um, and that's going to be fun for us. I mean, we get a chance to, to really kind of move them around and, and see what the best best fit is.
1: Let's talk pitching because I know how much you like to talk about that. Calixto is your only senior coming back in the circle, but you got some talent around you. And they've got some big shoes to fill, don't they?
2: I really do. I mean, you, you look at Shelby leaving and, and playing and winning the national championship for, for, you know, Chicago Bandits. You know, she was a, a big loss for us last year. Uh, Ma coming in, she's excited about this. She's getting excited about kind of taking the reins and, and uh, Aliyah coming in as a freshman and Cam coming in as a freshman and Demera, um out of Canada. Um, those those four pitchers, I think, will be a pitching staff. Um, I don't see one just stepping up and, and taking all of the, the games. I think they're going to be working together and, and really working together as a team.
0: You mentioned Shelby. She's now coaching at UNF. You have Mackenzie Hoon coaching at Palm Beach Atlantic. You've got Jessica Yuvari being a volunteer coach at Stetson. One of your own, Kaylee Novak's back with the program, volunteer coach at UCF. Lindsey Enders, who pitched for you. Jeff covered you. You covered her. She's now a head coach at Stratford. You know, that tree continues to kind of grow now countrywide there.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, As a coach, you, you hope that you're passing down a – a good feel and a, and a love for this game, and and when you see the the players wanting to go on and, and give back and become coaches, um, that that warms your heart. You realize they're doing something right. You know, it's not all about the wins and losses. It's about you know making good people and making good choices for um, for what they want to do. And and I really feel like coaching is giving back to to the next generation.
0: Offensively, you lose Yovari, you lose McCloudski up the middle in the bat but you've mentioned you've got a lot of depth and a lot of options you could kind of mix and match. You mentioned Autumn Gillespie's back. You've got Brewer back, Cassidy Brewer's a rookie, off-rookie in the American Conference Freshman of the Year. You've got... Courtney Roden I mean there seems to be a lot of depth more depth there's a lot of depth one to nine maybe you don't have that quote one superstar hitter but you've got a lot of depth here don't you
2: oh absolutely in the lineup we're, we're really excited about that and, and bringing Corey Hill in from Texas I mean she was a great addition for us um, you, you see these girls really buying into to what she's teaching them and and you're seeing them hitting better than than I ever imagined them being able to hit this year um yeah like Brittany salish you know she's just lighting it up right now you know as as our starting shortstop last year and and hitting you know two three in that lineup um last year she she's really stepping up as a senior um courtney always a big bat Uh, brewer always a big bat um you're looking at some of the freshmen too on being able to to step in i mean you've got um jazz is playing first base for us right now um um, Aubrey's at second base, also behind Brewer. Actually, they're kind of battling it out right now, but, but she's coming up very solid um, coming in from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So you have, and you look at Tamisha. Tamisha, oh, my gosh. This, she was a redshirt last year, too, as a freshman, and, and coming in, and she's playing third and short for us, but she's, she's probably one of the, the biggest surprises for us this year is just how, how big of a bat she has, and, and she's going to do some damage out there for us.
1: Schedules challenging once again this year because you, you know three home tournaments, which is always good. But you're going, you're going to the Mary Nutter once again, which is which is you know I mean that's a gauntlet as always. And you also have that tournament up in Alabama, and we got some full, we got some really good teams coming in here. So, um, what are the key games that you're looking at to see you know okay this is this is where I think we're going to be as far as the season goes.
2: It's tough to say because with as young of a team we are, we're kind of saying this is game one, game two, game three. We we don't want them to get these. Um, big eyes on, on seeing the teams and looking too far ahead. So this weekend we've got Florida A&M as we're starting the games off our opening opening game, um, and then we come back with Pitt and and um, um, Kentucky and you know so it's going to be a, a very tough weekend for us even to start off with. Um, but you're looking at the Mary Nutter, that we're looking at, you know, UCLA and Cal, you know, big, two big things, Loyola Maramont, she the very tough program, and Cal Poly, you know, those are going to be a, a very big, challenging weekend for us, and then turn around and going back up to Alabama, playing them in two games, and Texas Tech, you know, so it's going to be a, a challenging first three weeks, um, but that's what we want. We want the girls to kind of see where they need to be, and, and kind of initiate her freshmen to, to realize, you know, this is Division One, and we're looking for a chance for the World Series, and, and we've got to be able to play up with the big boys.
0: What does it speak to your program? You mentioned the tough schedule. Always played a tough schedule, but usually it was on a neutral field. You had to go on the road to get those teams to play. To play you now you've got Kentucky coming to your house. You got Georgia coming in to your house. You've got Baylor coming in for a three game series. Uh, so it, it, it goes on and on. So teams the top teams now are coming to your place and playing in your tournaments. That's you gotta be proud of the fact that now team the top teams feel yeah that's one of the top programs. Let's go down there and play and we'll get better for it.
2: Yeah, I think I think that shows a lot about what we've established here at UCF. Um, we, we've really worked hard to be able to be in the top 25 every year, and and you know we didn't get that preseason mark. You know we we're still in the votes. We're just on the the cusp of being the top 25, but that that's telling us that the teams are excited about coming down and and playing us. That we are giving them RPIs and. Um, you know we we are the team to to challenge Um, we we kind of always like to be the underdog I think it's it helps us out you know we've got preseason ranked as third in our conference even though we've we've um, taken two of three games in every single conference school across the schedule so um, you know we're still looking kind of the underdog and that's okay you know we're going to come out we're going to show them what we're about and and that's the exciting part of having these big teams coming into our home side is being able to get the crowds out there and get them excited about about our sport.
0: Interesting year in the American Conference. you got Tulsa as the defending conference tournament champions. They lose Caitlin Sill, who graduated, their number one pitcher. South Florida won the regular season last year. Erica Nunn graduated. She was the American Pitcher of the Year. You lose Shelby. I mean, it seems like uh, it's a it's a young league this year, which could, you know, obviously a lot of bats coming back, some questions, pitching, people have got to grow, but it could be a wild year from top to bottom here.
2: Oh, I absolutely think you're right. It's it's going to be um, probably a high scoring conference games <laughs> every single weekend because you're right that the top pitches that we've all had the last last three years um, are gone now and you know even McKenzie um, when she left it was it was a hole and Shelby filled that hole for us so we'll have to see who comes up and who fills that hole for us um, but also with the other teams with the other conference teams on who's going to be that one person that's going to come up and and be that number one pitcher for us because I really do believe it's going to be pitching by committee this year for all the teams
0: and that's where the sport's been going but more by by the staff committee right i mean that's i mean even oklahoma won the national title Paige parker carried him but they needed another pitcher pitching the world series so that's where the sport is now it's more of a committee now.
2: it, it really is i mean you, you look at texas a&m same thing um lsu same thing you know you you have to have a, a great um team of of pitchers to be able to get through and 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 if the hitters are getting better i mean that's what you're seeing you you can't go in with one pitcher and expect her to go two three games on the same team they're going to pick up what she's throwing and they're going to make adjustments so it's important to have that that committee of pitchers that's going to be able to take you through that game
0: what's the key you've coached veteran teams you've coached young teams what's the key as far as the message to them does your approach change at all with a younger team like this compared to a veteran team you had last year
2: I think it does a little bit. I mean, just like we're, we're looking at, it's going game to game. It's going to be how we play, not how the other team plays. I think once you get in the mode of, of freshmen and, and the bright eyes and, and the World Series and they were at the World Series, you start seeing that kind of situation happen where they, they get in awe. Well, they got to realize that we have to play our game. When we go out there, the freshmen have to realize we do our part and we're going to end up winning games. That's the, that's the end result. But we got to stay in the process, stay in the one pitch at a time and,
0: focus on what we're doing right what's going to be the key you know between now and then the season gets going and think it's a marathon it's a long season there's always ups and downs but what are a couple of keys for the team there to kind of accomplish your internal goals
2: I think just staying within themselves. Um, a, a lot of what we focused on, and especially in the last four weeks, five weeks, is um, staying focused on on doing the little things right, um, taking care of the ball, making sure that that we're there for each other when when things aren't going exactly the way you want it. It's okay. It's the next pitch. It's it's focusing on what's coming up um, and not looking behind. And I think we're focusing a lot on that, especially with the freshmen and this and the season. I mean, you can't go into a game thinking that so and so is going to be unbelievable as a team because they're top 25 just like we lost chubby last year and and south florida and tulsa um, they lose players too and they have new freshmen coming in so it's it's you know anyone's game
1: head coach renee lures gillespie opening day february 10th and they got and you got two games on that day famu and Pitt to start off the season mm-hmm. and uh thanks once again for joining i, I mean i We've been around the program for so long, as you know, yes. You know, going back to when we were students. And, and it's, it's always nice because we know springtime is happening when it's softball season. So thanks again for spending time with us. And I'm sure we'll catch up again as the uh, year goes by.
2: Thank you, guys. And, you know, it's been 16 years with you guys, and I hope it's going to be another 16 years.
1: Here's, here's to today. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Thank you. And our thanks again to Coach and also thanks to Nate Blythe for uh, helping us out. Uh, setting up this interview with coach and uh it's always fun to i mean she's been she's she's known us for you know so long that this is you know this is pretty easy you know for you know what in terms of how you know this this whole thing this season works out i think and you know we're it's funny like afterwards we were flipping through some old media guys and catching up on what some of the some of her old players are are up to these days and um and that's always fun. So and, and actually I hap- I happen to be lucky enough to run into one of them one of the original knights from that two thousand two team, Janae Shinoster, who um <clears throat> who now does uh work with the team um in terms of physical therapy and massage therapy and everything and she's um yeah and that that's what I believe if I'm not mistaken, that's what she studied at UCF and she's still doing it. She's part of um she's part of doing that with the team and that's always fun to see that you know, that coach always keeps you know, a, a lot of her uh, former players sort of still in the loop. You know, I mean, we, we obviously know how successful, for example, Stephanie Best has been with pro swings, her um, her uh, her business. Um, and, you know, we've seen a, a bunch of former players actually come through as an as assistant coaches and and one more coming through this year now, too. Right.
0: Yeah. Kaylee Novak will be uh, back who's a volunteer coach, has played the last two seasons in the NPF with the Dallas Charge all-time stolen base leader uh, in a career and in steals at UCF. And now she's back as a volunteer coach. Uh, So that'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to uh, have her around again. I think that'll help the program. Her dad, Jeff, Tommy Novak, played UCF baseball, played baseball for the UCF in the mid-'80s for uh, Jay Berkman. It's a little family connection there. So uh, it it runs in the family. But tremendous to have her around and – yeah, you, know, you mentioned coach. How about this little nugget? Coach Gillespie's the only UCF coach in any sport that has won a conference championship in the A Sun, Conference USA, and in the American Conference.
1: That's good. I, that's that's a fun nugget. I love that. and we and we were there for basically all of them. I remember where I was there for the first one that we won in, in the program's fourth year, finally broke through at FAU. Um defeating the Owls in Boca to win the A-Sun title. Uh, yeah, you know, yep. you 2005. For, you were there for Conference USA, and of course the American titles that UCF has won. So Yeah,
0: uh, yep. 2008 was when they won in Houston against uh, Houston to win the Conference USA Championship. But of course, uh, the 2014 and 2015, they won the regular season title in the American Conference, winning the tournament at home against Tulsa in 2015. So it tells you she's been able to adapt Uh, you know, from conference to conference, from group, you know, seniors leaving to groups, you name it. uh, That tells you uh, her way, her adapt, and even able to adapt during the season, you know, maybe things, you know, I've seen teams that get off to slow starts and then they kind of click a month later and uh, play their best softball at the end of the year, which is really what you want. You don't want to peak too early. So, uh, yeah, I think she's excited. I think she likes the chemistry in this team and, uh, you know, she'll. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's a tough schedule. But again, as we met, you heard in the interview, it tells you. I mean, they're of, They're a national program now, and with that, means a lot of top competition and a lot of teams are going to play each other. And the the exciting thing is that they want to come here as well now. As as we talked about, and mentioned in that interview, it used to be that teams you have to go places to find games. And now UCF's gotten the respect and the way they've hosted tournaments that some of the top teams want to come here to play because they know they're going to get quality soft uh, competition. So uh, it's, a, it's an exciting time for the program. You're right about alumni and former players coming in. There'll be uh, some former players coming in throughout the year. And uh, it, it's always fun and exciting. And it's going to be interesting because like the American conference, it's kind of, it's an interesting year. It's a young uh, league this year because a lot of graduation, especially in the pitching department. So, you know, you, we've talked about UCF, you, you know, Shelby graduating and, and, of course, playing in the NPF. Well, USF, who won the regular season title, Erica Nunn graduated. She moved on. So who steps up there? Tulsa lost Caitlin Stills. They were sort of number one pitcher. Who steps up there? Probably Watson was the number two last year. So, um it's a very interesting league this year. From that standpoint, is that there's some questions around the league, and I think it makes it for a very uh, interesting race, 2017 edition of the American Conference, a league that's proven to be a two to three bid league in the
1: NCAA's. Yeah, and here's hoping that they'll be able to do the same this year. It'll be, it'll be, it's going to be. Uh, it seems like it's going to be quite. I don't, wanna, I don't know if mixed up is quite the right word but there's going to be uh it's going to it could be a wide open race in the American. so we'll be following that and we both will be uh there for the opening weekend at least the first two days friday and saturday you'll be doing play-by-play on TV. i'll be doing pa in the softball complex so that'll be fun make yeah. sure you check that out if you have the chance uh friday 3 30 and 6 saturday 3 30 and 6 sunday at 11 a.m so all right, so let's, uh, let's check out what else we got going on here. We had some uh, other spring sports to talk about. Tennis, uh, women's tennis won both of their matches over the past uh, week since our last show. They beat Florida A&M 7 nothing, and then beat Georgia Southern 5-2. Uh, um, Courtney Cesarini of uh, UCF was named the American Player of the Week. Uh, went 2-0 and in uh, both doubles and singles for the Knights. Um, she's a native of uh, Lower Gwinnett, Pennsylvania. And uh, she got the job done for UCF. So uh, UCF women's tennis, you know, we talked about men's tennis, how good of a job they're, uh, they're doing at this moment. Women's tennis is off to a 6-1 and one start. Their only loss was to the University of Iowa. Coming up for the Knights they have, uh, they're at UNF in Jacksonville, um, Wednesday, February 15th. Uh, and then they're back home for Florida Gulf Coast on February 17th. That's a Friday, and that's at the USTA uh, National Campus. As far as the men are concerned, uh, they are still 4-1. They're still try- waiting to get back on track. They had this long break. Their last match was January 29th against Bethune-Cookman. They don't play again until February 17th against uh, Tennessee Tech. But, hey, women's tennis getting, on, uh, uh, getting off to a real good start, Eric. Yeah, I mean, we've spent some t-
0: so much time on the men's tennis with John Roddick, but remember, he made the hire for the women's tennis coach program, and it's not just the men's program. And they're both off to good starts. And you know, could it be that we get two tennis programs in the postseason? It's too early for that, obviously, but uh, certainly positive signs off to a good start and playing to their max. So uh, it, it's you definitely the impact is being felt.
1: And uh, shout-out to Brian Canico, who's the head coach of the women's tennis team, uh, for getting the job done uh, so far in this uh, early going. So, Also, we have some golf to talk about, Eric Lopez. Uh, Ashley Holder of UCF, named American Athletic Conference Women's Golf Player of the Week. She finished tied for 10th at the uh, UCF Challenge, a tournament where UCF finished in third place. Uh, But Ashley finished the uh, weekend... Uh, five under par. She shot a 67 the first day. It was a three-round tournament uh, and then finished up the tournament with a 69. Uh, 11 birdies, 39 par, so not bad at all um, as the Knights finished in third place. The Knights, by the way, ranked number 17 in the country in uh, women's golf. Uh, Emily Marin, of course, the head coach. Uh, there were nine other ranked opponents in the field, including Miami, who's ranked number 10. Kent State was number 15. Texas is number 19 uh and then uh so uh you know hey props to Ashley who was 2014 American Athletic Conference freshman of the year and was back to back uh or, or excuse me uh, it, it was back or she was back to back American Athletic Conference golfer of the year in 2014 and 2015 she's been to the uh, the regionals and the NCAA last season uh, so she's right back to her uh back to her old tricks again so Uh, women's golf should be a lot of fun with head coach Emily Marin leading the way as well. So uh, as we finish up here, Eric, uh, what do you have coming up this week?
0: Well, you mentioned it. I'll be at the softball complex all weekend, uh, broadcasting starting Friday, home opener, season opener, 3.30 against FAMU. Then you got Pittsburgh on Friday and then Saturdays you mentioned the big one, Kentucky, ranked 20th in the country in one of the major polls. That's a 3.30 game. So for those UCF fans or are planning to go to the UCF basketball game against Connecticut, that's a 6 o'clock tip, so why don't you just swing by, check a little softball in the beforehand over to basketball if you want to do that. That's a pretty nice double dip, so I would just recommend that. So I'll be at softball weekend. Also, though, make a note on the Sports Talk Florida Insider Show this Saturday that I co-host. Uh, the show airs on 1080 Orlando, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We will be joined by UCF baseball head coach Greg Lovelady. Uh, now he's going to come on around 1240, 1245 Eastern. And we're going to talk about the baseball season 2017 and, uh, looking forward to talking to coach Lovelady about this team and, uh, a team that I think could surprise some people. I know the expectations aren't high with some of the the struggles or disappointments, if you will, the last couple of years, how things didn't go well, but, uh, uh, I think coach Lovelady and and kind of the early interactions I've had with him is uh, pretty positive, about this team and for anybody that suggested, uh, this is just kind of a throwaway year. Uh, it's wrong. You're, you're mistaken. So I'm looking forward to coach love lady being on the show on Saturday, uh, probably around 1245. That's the scheduled uh, time. He'll, uh, we'll talk to him about the season and, uh, kind of, you know, a former two-time national champion at Miami too. That's right. Some, and he's got some ties to the state as far as, uh, the coaching tree of Jim Morris, which uh, I'm sure we'll bring up as well. So look forward to, uh, Talking to
1: coach. Looking forward to that too. I also will be at those first two days for UCF doing PA for the Knights' games at the UCF softball complex. So that should be uh, a lot of fun. So as we wrap up here in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, remember don't forget to follow us uh, at UCF underscore Banneret. Also look us up on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret, uh, and uh, check us out at blackandgoldbanneret.com. dot com. You can follow me at. Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter and Eric Lopez. People can follow you at Eric Lopez elo. And don't forget, also, uh, we'll be back again next week with plenty more news for you for UCF in the spring. Um, man, it just never stops. We're hitting sort of that spring sports equinox now with basketball hitting uh, hitting full stride and and all the other uh, spring sports. Baseball, baseball is right around the corner. Softball, obviously, getting started this weekend, and of course, tennis and golf hitting full speed so for eric lopez uh my name is jeff sharon thank you so much for listening this has been the black and gold Bannerette podcast we'll catch you again next week
0: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com